Welcome to Game of Books with Kathy in South Dakota. That's me. And Christy in South Florida. That's me. We're two newbie writers sharing our take on wine, food, and mystery books. And the authors who write them. Join us for the fun. Welcome to the Game of Books podcast, Corks in Conversation with Nina Sadowski. Last week, we featured Nina's book, The Empty Bed, on our book club episode, and we loved this thriller, and now we're thrilled to talk with Nina herself. Yes, Nina Sadowski is an author, filmmaker, and educator. She has written numerous screenplays and produced such films as The Wedding Planner, which we all love. Her debut thriller, (laughs) Just Fall, was published in 2016, and her Burial Society series launched in 2018 with a second book in the series, The Empty Bed, published on January 28, 2020. The Burial Society series is in development for television. She is also the author of Convince Me to be published August 4, 2020. In addition to her role as a program director of NYU Los Angeles's uh, Semester Abroad program for advanced students considering careers in entertainment and media industries, Sadowski also serves as the Director of Educational Outreach for the Humanitas Prize, is on the Leadership Council of Creative Future, and is a founding member of the Wolf Pack, an organization of women showrunners, writers, and producers committed to community and mentorship. Phew, that's a big, big bunch of stuff. And Nina, <laughs> we're so happy you're available to talk to us today. Well, thank you for having me. I was delighted to be asked. Well, good. Well, before we um, get started with too many, you know, of the big questions, Kathy, why don't you tell everybody what wine <laughs> we're drinking today? I would be happy to. So Nina is from California and suggested a Pinot. So of course we chose a California wine, um, the Mirasu Pinot Noir. What's interesting about this is um, this this winemaker Mirasu takes special pride in the fact that they were the first winemakers to bring this variety to America, which I was really surprised. Yeah, to read that's about. cool. Yeah, so tasting notes. Um, So it opens with notes of ripe red and black cherry, lush layers of fresh raspberry, strawberry jam, and pomegranate, balanced with hints of oak and vanilla. Light-bodied and bright, it's rich in heritage, and here's our tagline, it's easy drinking (laughs) deliciousness. Oh, okay. I think I'll be be the judge of that. Let me have a sip and I'll Okay, take a drink and let us know. Ah, uh, yes, I believe that was easy drinking deliciousness. <laughs> <laughs> so I will say this is perfect for our conversation today with Nina because um, Mirasu says that they rely on determination, optimism, and a love of craftsmanship in their winemaking, and it sure sounds like what a writer would have to do as well. So, oh, very good connection there, Kathy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right, so we get started on some questions. Are you ready, Nina? I am ready. Okay. 
So, as we've just mentioned, you've had an amazing career in TV and film industry, and you started as an entertainment lawyer and then took on producing, directing, and screenwriting. (laughs) So we're thinking, obviously, you are busy, and you had multiple ways to tell your stories from your imagination, but what made you decide to add novel writing to this list, and how in the world did you do it? (laughs) um, Okay, so... You know, I'll be really candid about this. I um, I started my first novel, Just Fall Out of a Very Low Place, um, for two reasons. One was professional, and that was after years of being a pretty successful um, first lawyer, then executive, then creative in film and TV. I felt increasingly marginalized. I felt increasingly too old and too female to be in the room. Oh, wow. As a result of that, you know, and it is an age of sexist industry, as a result of that, I really began to lose my love of craft. And that was sort of making me sick because I love writing. Even when I've worked not as a writer professionally, I've always written as a, you know, a way of processing my feelings about the world and myself and other people. And so the fact that I was starting to hate writing because I felt so depressed about being overlooked or marginalized was really hurting me and so writing Mm. a book had always been on my bucket list and when I started I said all right I'm just going to commit um every Sunday to working on a book and it's I have no expectations it's just for me it's for me to reclaim my love of writing and I didn't even tell people I was working on it because I didn't want people saying, oh, how's that novel coming? And me having no answer, right? Yeah, that is a very good idea. (laughs) So I just just kept it completely private. And then when I had a draft, I mentioned it to a few friends and they were like, you wrote a book. When did you do that? And I said, well, it took me 18 months, which it did the first one, 18 months just working on Sundays and, and occasionally when I had a little slice of inspiration. But um, mm-hmm. And so when I did finish, uh, and the other thing that was actually happening to me at that time was that um, I had just gotten remarried and had blended a family, and that was not going so well. And what mm-hmm. I had thought was going to be a, you know, a, this beautiful fairy tale second chance felt very fraught because of the anger in particular of one of my stepkids. And wow. um so that first book, which is about a woman who discovers on the night of her wedding that her husband's a contract killer, um, and she's told she has to go to the Caribbean and kill someone in order to save his life, is, of course, not about me at all, but also entirely about me. <laughs> I was just going to say, hmm. <laughs> so there I was feeling like fragile in my marriage and fragile in my career and writing has always been the thing that made me feel strong. And so I just wrote this book. And then when I was done, I gave it to a few friends. And quite honestly, I was astonished by the response. People said, you need to get a literary agent, made some introductions. And within three weeks, um, my agent sold it. I had an agent and um, she sold it at auction to Random House. Wow, so that's awesome. I, am, I like knock wood all the time. You know, I've been at a lot of conferences where people, you know, say I had 72 rejections before I published. <laughs> <laughs> I had a book rejected. <laughs> so, well, there you go. People hate me. <laughs> <Yeah>. That's okay. <laughs> we'll take that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so after that happened and you started on your Burial Society series, did you switch kind of full-time and start allowing yourself to write during the weekdays on your novel? 
Well, yes. I mean, I, at the time when I, after I sold, um, just fall, I worked on adapting it for television. I sold it to stars. It didn't get on the air, but I got to write the pilot. Um, and then, and I was still teaching then at USC. I've been an educator for the last 12 years. That's been a part of my life as well. I did 10 years, um, at USC in the film school there. And, and now, as you said in my bio, I run NYU Los Angeles, but, so I was still doing the educational part of my life and I was adapting the pilot, but now I had a contract for a book with dates, mm, right? And mm-hmm. text attached. It wasn't speculative, you know. When I delivered yeah. that money, money is always a good inducement, you know, money and <laughs> so, <laughs> so it took me about eight months to write The Burial Society. Um, it took me about six to do the empty bed and my new one I did a draft in four and a half months and I think it's just because I'm getting well that's a whole other story because that book came into my head like an arrow that I felt I had to pull out of my head until it was in the computer um but I I think it's also just that I've gotten much better at craft and Mm -hmm. the craft of writing novels when I wrote the first one I had written a lot of television and feature screenplays but I had no idea how to write a book and I, I was a big reader so mm-hmm. I knew what books I liked and which authors I admired, but I really didn't know what I was doing. Now, now I have yeah. a better idea. So, <laughs> so I it's can just true. It's, also, it's a it's, learning process. <laughs> absolutely. It's like that, you know, from uh, Malcolm Gladwell's book, The 10,000 Hours It Takes to Achieve Mastery in Anything. Right. So mm-hmm. uh, I just keep writing and I get better at it, I think. But yes. Um, We've read The Empty Bed, and we thought that was really good. So that's that Thank was the you. second book, right? Or no, third. So it was the second was in the, the Burial third, Society. The second in the Burial Society series. And that actually, this is sort of a funny story. Um, as you know, a wife is surprised with a trip to Hong Kong, and that book and goes missing. Mm-hmm. And um, that same husband that inspired the first <laughs> marriage, the first book, when the marriage was new and the son was acting out um was this was also inspired by him because um for our fifth anniversary he told me he was taking me to san francisco and blind country for 10 days and i thought well that's a lot of time to be drinking like <laughs> <You know? laughs> <laughs> a good you know vacation in the house so but when we were right. on our way to the airport <laughs> we're in the uber and he says, well, we are going to San Francisco, but after that I lied, we're getting on a plane and we're going to Hong Kong and Tokyo. <gasps> oh, no. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and he had my passport, and I said, I don't have the right clothes. And he said the absolute right thing, which was, we'll go shopping. And <laughs> The only correct answer. Yeah, always the correct answer. And, um, and so I got to San Francisco, and I called my editor, and I said, oh, husband takes wife to Hong Kong on surprise anniversary trip. Wife, wife goes missing. And she was like, go, write it, go. <laughs> <laughs> that was the origin of that book. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh. That's so incredible. So um, Hong Kong was a lot of fun. I mean, we, we kind of get to live a little bit of it through your book. But um, sounds yeah, I like loved it's... Hong Kong. I loved it. It's a city on steroids. It's consumerism, <laughs> you know, it's capitalism squared. You can be... In one mall that has three Pradas in it. You know, we found oh one my mall gosh. that had an entire floor devoted to designer children's wear. You know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, it's just, it is crazy. It's a big financial center. And, um, you know, like a lot of big cities, 
you know, big dichotomy between rich and poor, but um, it's visually stunning. And there's a video uh, neon light show every night across the harbor. I mean, it's really a spectacular, dazzling place. And I wanted to catch, capture a little of that. Um, I was only there for a few days. So I have a friend um, who married a man who had lived there for 10 years and now lives in L.A. Um, so I also interviewed him extensively um to get more of a flavor particularly about sort of the underworld in hong kong mm-hmm, because he mm-hmm. had worked in the restaurant business and which had taken him into contact with the triad so i did oh, a wow. lot of uh, research about how they actually operate and the rivalries and all of that to inform the what what you see in the book wow that's that's that was gonna be our one of our questions like how did you research it and you just answered it perfectly <laughs> I was like, wow. she lived it she lived she it, lived it. <laughs> This is a great time for us to segue into our what we call our question in a bottle. <laughs> oh, so yes. these are the sort of we kind of do this midway, and these are the sort of questions that might come up when you get towards the bottom of a bottle. <laughs> um, so we'll pick a we'll pick a random question. Okay, so let's see what do we get here. Let's, okay, oh, this is a good one. <laughs> if you could have one magical power, what would it be? Oh, I'd want to clone myself so I could get more done. <laughs> that's oh, that's a good easy. one. There's not enough time in the day. If there was more of me, I could do more. That would be the perfect <laughs> thing. I'd probably want to reunite into one body at the end of the day. But if I could have like four of me, that, that would be good. Oh, yeah. I'm that's, sure that's a doable magical power. That is both... A great answer, but also very telling about your life. <laughs> like you have a lot going on. <laughs> I was, I'm, I'm wondering right now, I'm trying to remember like on one of the old Bewitch shows, if she ever did that. I think she did, didn't yeah. she? Like she would. <laughs> oh, I think were... she did too. I kind of remember that. Yeah. Either that or it was like a twin or something. I don't know, but that's pretty funny. All right. So, oh um. Kathy and I are actually um, at the querying stage of our mm. first novels and and we're or about to be but and we're always told mm. like you said rejection 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 well obviously you didn't have to deal with that in in your book career but I'm assuming you had to deal with it a lot in film and TV uh, in film and TV you get told no 10 times before breakfast I mean, it's just like, and I think that's why, like, I find my whole publishing journey so astonishing is mm-hmm. that for every victory I've had in film and TV, there have been a thousand doors slammed in my face first. So yeah. I don't, I, I've really learned over the years, um, a couple of things. One, not to personalize it. Um, you know, it's, there's so many unforeseen factors that, um, are impacting, well, I'll, I'll Talk, talk about it from a film perspective. I used to feel heartbroken at the script I took in as a producer or, or as a writer it didn't sell, right? If I took it out to market mm-hmm. and it didn't sell. But then I realized there, you know, and I was, and I would know the material was good. So I, you know, but we don't live in a meritocracy. So there are so many other factors that mm-hmm. impact mm-hmm. and they are like where the company is in its budget cycle, what else they already have on their slate, you know, or in a publishing house, what do they already have in their system? What, what market trends are people being reactive to at the time? Who made the phone call introducing your material? Is it someone that they respect or not? 
you know, in, in film or TV, do they have deals that they already have where they have overall deals that they need to service, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is, is the, you know, again, in film and TV, is it too expensive to make this as a horror movie, which should be a low budget proposition, right? So there are economic and creative and relationship factors that are all operating underneath the surface, right? That, mm-hmm. um, you have no idea about. And, and, and I think so much of it is just random luck. For example, my um, agent who just left the business and sold her company, which was sort of heartbreaking for me, but my book agent, um, she had someone at Valentine, which is my imprint that she usually brought books to when she took out my first book, but that person was on vacation. So she took it to another um, editor there um, who she didn't know. And that was the editor who, you know, fought the hardest for it and won it at auction. Right now, if she had mm-hmm. brought it to her usual person, do I would I have gotten the same result? I don't know because voice is such a particular thing, right? Right. Whether someone responds to your voice. So I think that, you know, what I say all the time when I teach writing um, is that you need you need talent and you need craft, um, mm-hmm. you need luck and you need discipline. And you can't control the luck, but you can control. You know, you can't really control whether you have talent, but you can control your craft <laughs> and you can control your discipline. And I think mm-hmm. actually the discipline is probably the most important element, because if you don't have something written, you have nothing to sell. Right. Yeah, that's that's a hard road, though. I mean, I can't imagine you. We must must have very uh, strong convictions to put up with all the rejection, you know, and to understand all those, you know, ins and outs. I mean, that would, that would break a, a most people, you know, if you had. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think, I think it's this, I think I, by having the information, by understanding more of the system, it took some of the personal rejection out of it. Right. Mm-hmm. It made me realize mm-hmm. that I don't have to take this personally. It's not about me. I mean, think about actors, for example, you know, they're mm-hmm. sized up the minute they walk in a room and reject it. Right? right. And it's sometimes because they just don't have the right look or they're not the ethnicity they want or they're not the right age. Right. And it can be mm-hmm. so many different things, a vibe, right. Mm-hmm. It can be so many different things. And that's a rejection of your very self. You know? right. I mean, I do believe that writing is an expression of your very self, but it's not someone like looking at your face and going, no. Right. So, <laughs> that would make this worse i think (laughs) we have a slight remove but you know i think it's actually helpful i was actually at this writing conference recently teaching there and this uh, there was a keynote speaker whose name i'm going to blank on but he said the most profound piece of writing advice i've ever heard um which was um that your editor or any other one else who's reading for you is the patient, but you, the author, are the doctor. You have to actually listen to where they're saying the owie is, diagnose the problem, and figure out how to treat it. And oh, I thought that great. was so great because, it, you know, one thing I always try to talk about, and, and I've really struggled with myself, and I think every person struggles, every writer struggles with this, is how not to be reactive to notes. You know, mm-hmm. someone says, I don't like this and maybe, you know, I think you should do that. And you go, okay, I'll go try that. Instead of saying, well, what are they really saying? Maybe their idea is not the right idea. Maybe I should see if there's something underneath what they're saying. Or maybe their solution is not the right solution. And how do I not be reactive? How do I not feel both, well, this person is smarter than me. That's why I gave them this to read in the first place. So I should listen to them, right? But that Mm -hmm. balance of trusting your gut and trusting the information that you're getting from readers. Right. 
That's a hard thing. No, I think that's the hardest thing about writing, actually. For me, Mm -hmm. it's the hardest thing about writing. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going to segue because after you do all the writing, right, and you, yeah. you've you done the craft, you've used your discipline, and you 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 get the, the lucky spot where you get the book out, then comes the marketing. <laughs> and I, I'm intrigued because I had read, um, I guess, on Jane Friedman's website, you had done an interview about marketing, and I had noticed on your website that you have a launch team for your books. And I, I just was fascinated by this topic because I've just heard of this in one other situation, one other writer doing this. So can you tell us a little bit about your, your approach to marketing and your launch team? Yeah. Well, I think one thing that most people don't know, and I certainly did not know <laughs> before <laughs> I got into publishing books, was how much of the marketing is on the author. So I've tried all different kinds of things, some of which I spoke about. I mean, the thing I did for Jane, the Q&A did for Jane was more about pre-orders specifically. But, for example, I just did – I got a friend from high school to donate a trip with the Burial Society to Paris and one for the empty bed to London. He runs an online uh, travel company, right? So Mm -hmm. this is, you know, the power of high school friendship, right? (laughs) We donated trips for both of these. As a result, um, you know, the, I just got the results of the one we did for Empty Bed today. We gave away a trip to London. That just closed on Thursday. Um, oh, darn. 18, I was going to say, i, I got to put in for that. <laughs> 18,500 people. Wow. Oh, my. So that's a lot of eyes looking at my book cover, right? And mm-hmm. almost yeah. 3,000 of them signed up for my monthly newsletter. Great. Which, which grew my newsletter, you know, by a big chunk, which is, mm-hmm. you know, part of my role, goal. You know, I, I have, um, I do a monthly, um, it's called Dispatches from the Cheerfully Dark Mind of Nina Sadowski <laughs> because I write really dark things so that I'm a very cheerful person. And um, so... Um, I'm into, I'm starting, I've been, oh, it has several uh, components. I do recommended viewing and uh, a section called Rip from the Headlines, which is just the weird news that amuses me. But, and I've always <laughs> done Hollywood Decoded, where I've answered questions about Hollywood. But I'm also answering, um, adding a new tutorial where I'm going to be giving sort of mini writing tips and seminars through the, um, through the newsletter. And, um, wow. you know, that's I'm trying to grow that because I partly because I feel that having taught for 10 years is really codified to my own beliefs and understandings about my own process because I have to teach other people how to do it. So I have a lot of systems now and a lot of, you know, and I've not just taught at USC, but at, you know, novel writing conferences all over the country. Um, and so I want to share that knowledge and also because I really believe um, in the power of literary citizenship, right? It's a beautiful thing in the world of books. In, in Hollywood, writers are taught to be in competition with each other, but mm, book mm. writers lift each other up because if someone reads your book, it doesn't mean they're not going to read someone else's book, right? Right. People right. read books, read tons of books, right? And then there are the people mm-hmm. who read one book a year, but the book buying audience is hungry for books. And so I love how communal and how much support there is, how people for me and I have for them have, you know, read drafts or written quotes. Um, you know, supporting blurbs or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I've invited each other to sit on panels or be part of book launches. And, you know, I think it's a really beautiful thing about the literary community. And it's, because I do feel I have something 
valuable to offer, like my tricks of math for writers, that's a tease. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I hate math. Um, but so, you know, I feel like they're, you know, I, so I'm just starting this and that's going to launch uh, along with, along with a brand new website um, in the next couple of weeks. Wow, oh, that's exciting. exciting. Well, we'll definitely put the links on our on our website for that. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Sure. But it's that takes a lot of work. I mean, what you're describing is, I mean, that's another big piece of this puzzle. Oh, okay. So you're talking about the marketing. There, there were so many things I've done. I've designed swag and distributed it. The, the most popular thing was lens cleaners I did with the book cover. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, yes, I have book. one of those. <laughs> I got oh, it at do? Thriller Fest. Yes, I did. Oh, there you go. Okay, right. So <laughs> I love it. Inexpensive to produce, you know, something that people look at. I went to a Thriller Fest marketing meeting for writers, and they said that it takes seven to ten impressions to create awareness, convert that to interest, and interest to a sale. Wow. So that's when I began mm. to think, what could I put the image on that people would see all the time, right? And it's mm-hmm. the same reason you want to have, you know, like, it's, it's the same principle sort of with social media, that you can, you know, tweet something out five, ten times, you know, because different sets of eyes are just scrolling past it. What you want to just have is that Im- image, right, again mm-hmm. and again. So, oh, that's uh, so as a content creator, you want to keep it fresh. But as a marketer, you want to keep it consistent, right? Right. Um, I've done. I've done a short story contest. I'm going to do another one of those. The the uh, this was really fun. I did this with Burial Society, um, and people submitted 500 sort of flash word contests. Um, mm-hmm. The subject was secrets, and I'm going to do one for Convince Me. Um, the subject is going to be liars and lying. Oh, <laughs> cool! That. <laughs> That's um, awesome. awesome. Yeah, that's so great. I've also had to create a lot of social media posts, you know, cards and content and lists to put out there. I actually, it got to the point this year where I hired a company that helped me organize some of that. They've been in helping me with the redesign of the website, with learning how to bank social media so I can, like, you know, pick a day and jam out, you know, six weeks worth of stuff, bank it and schedule it. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I've, I've had to start, I mean, I'm a very time efficient person and I think that comes from being a producer where time mm-hmm. is literally money all the time. Um, but I think mm-hmm. that um, I, I had to sort of start treating Nina Sadowski more as a business this year um, mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, the empty bed and the burial society are in development for television. And so I'm breaking the season for that. Um, are you um, actually, are you writing the screenplays I for am. that? Or, oh, wow. That's I great. Am. Yeah. But that yeah. that's why you need I a clone. <laughs> yeah, this is why I need a clone. I also have an original <laughs> pilot that I just turned in, which is um, called Green Rush, and is what's about what's happening um, in Humboldt County, California, because of legalization of marijuana, which is, oh, you know. that should be interesting. It's, it's, I say it's Dallas with uh, weed <laughs> instead of oil and it's mercenary <laughs> that's oh, a good I can't wait. <laughs> pitch that's a good pitch oh awesome it's a lot of uh, a lot of fun projects you know but all in the oh. wheelhouse that I'm interested in which is the world of moral ambiguity and where our personal moral lines are crossed and where society's lines are getting pushed you know these mm-hmm. are the things that I'm really interested in questioning 
Um, I think it's a hard time to be a moral person in America. (laughs) I agree. And I I think it is a good thing to be putting out there, you know, I mean, it's what you can do with art. You can kind of get the word out even. I totally believe that. You know, I I, I really, you know, I had this great thing happen where uh, um, Just Fall was translated into all kinds of crazy languages, including Turkish and Serbian. And I got a, through Instagram, a DM from a Turkish high school teacher who was using it to teach her students about looking past appearances when they were getting oh, into wow. relationships. <laughs> I was like, that's, that's something I never would have envisioned, right? That, you know, in a high right. school in Turkey, this is happening, right? I oh, was that must have felt so good. <laughs> yeah, oh, totally. And, and you know, the MC Band and Burial Society all came about because I... I'm just so frustrated and angry about how much wrong I see in the world and how much mm-hmm. I see people hurting each other. And, you know, I march and petition, you know, march and, and uh, protest and sign petitions. But, you know, I created this character because I wanted someone who would go out, go out there and fix things and help people and, you know, mm-hmm. just in, in, in that way control the world and make it a better place than the world we're currently living in now where there seems to be so much callous cruelty. Right. Um, we all want to be Catherine on some days. <laughs> right. I do think that. We all want to be Catherine. Yeah. That's perfect. Today, I want to be Catherine. Yes, <laughs> I love it. Well, mm. Nina, we have been so, um, we've so enjoyed this conversation and we're both, I'm sure, so inspired by it. Yes, oh, I definitely. Hope Yes. As I said up top, oh. I'm a big goofball, and my secret is that I don't ever stop working just past my husband. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you have that energy. But we, before we go, we have one yes. final question that we Hi. like to, um, it appeases our mysterious foodies out there. That's our listeners. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we ask this of our authors. Um, which of your characters would you like to share a meal with and what would it be? Well, Catherine is me. So that would be like eating alone. So, um, <laughs> but I think, I think um, maybe Forrest Holcomb, Catherine's sometimes lover. Oh, yeah. Okay. He's a self-made man. He came up rough in the streets of London. He's, you know, hugely successful, um, also morally questionable. Um, <laughs> but he knows about a lot of things that I don't know about tech and finance and, um, you know, sort of p- power brokering and government. And so mm-hmm. I would like to pick his brains. And since I created him, he'd have to let me. Yes. <laughs> yes, he would. <laughs> All right. So, Nina, um, you've mentioned your newsletter. Can you tell our readers what's the best way to get um, information about you and your books? Uh, You can go to my website, which is ninarsadowski.com. I uh, had the website before they told me that I should lose my middle initial because my editor thought it was pretentious. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) The last thing I am is pretentious, so there goes my R. But if you just Google Nina Sadowski, the first thing that will come up should be my website. Um, and there is a sign-in for the newsletter there. And um, as I said, it's going to launch uh, uh, with this new design and um, this new educational component, um, which I think is actually it's um, pulled from my work in film and TV, but it's actually valuable techniques for every writer, no matter what um, medium you're working in um, or what genre. Um, it's about looking at things like character or structure or um, how to deliver subtext. You know, some of it's very granular and some of it is bigger picture. 
that sounds great. So um, thank you again, Nina. And um, if Are you haven't... Are either of you going to Thriller Fest in July? We're thinking about it. It's. I think, Kathy, you might have something going on at the same time. I do. I, I've gone the last two years in a row, and I it has been a wonderful experience. I've learned so much, but I have a conflict this year. But I yeah. would like. I I would like to go. My son is actually back up in New York, living up in New York for a period of time. Oh. So, he actually went to NYU film, and he's our oh, he sound did. editor. Yeah, he was NYU film. Well, that he he's he's my sound editor because I'm making him do that. But he's yeah. he's <laughs> he writes and directs stuff, so he's oh, trying to so get cool. the. Yeah, but you that's, know, yeah, as you cool. know, it's a. It's a hard business. It's a hard so. Road. Yeah, it's a hard road. <laughs> so but, in the know, meantime, I, think... I make them do my editing. <laughs> well, yeah, my daughter, uh, when she, she's an aspiring novelist now, supporting herself as a social media specialist. God love her. A job oh, yeah. that didn't exist when I was her age. But, um, you know, she also was working for me. She was helping me get out my newsletter and, you know. It's and perfect, actually, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I love that she also wanted to, right? Because yeah. She was like, if you're giving me money, which I was then, now I'm not. Yeah. She was like, you're giving me money. I want to deliver a service. I was like, all right, I respect that. I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it's absolutely. fun because they want us to do well, too. So they've got, yeah. they got yeah, us exactly. on their side. It's a beautiful so. thing. Yeah, yeah I love yeah. that. Yep. All right. Well, very nice chatting with you guys. Thanks so much. Yeah, um, it's been thank great. You. And, and uh, a fun, fun conversation. conversation. Yeah, thank you. Likewise. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks to our mysterious foodies out there for listening and sharing. Check out our website, gameofbookspodcast.com, where you can find links to all we talk about. And if you subscribe to our weekly newsletter, you can get those links sent directly to you, along with any exciting updates. We are also on Facebook and Twitter under at GOB Writers. And if you enjoyed this episode as much as we did... We would love to hear from you, and please subscribe to Game of Books wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any of our book club ideas and quirks and conversations with award-winning and best-selling authors. That's all for today's episode of Game of Books Podcast, where we share food, wine, and mystery every Friday morning, just in time for the weekend. This is Christy and Kathy saying thanks for listening. Bye, Bye everybody. everybody.